Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. International News Review. Steve Oaken joins us for our International News Review. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, GVZ. Back. <laughs> Great to be back with the classic lineup. <laughs> yeah, the classic solo lineup, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, sometimes you got to. Sometimes you have to do the intro twice to get it right. And yeah. uh, anyway, that's the way it is today. Hey, uh, lots going on as there always is. Uh, let's start first. You know, the the one of the biggest stories in Asia this past week has been the coup in Myanmar, or as uh, the Global Times in China said, a cabinet reshuffle <laughs> was the headline uh, oh. f- from that uh, paper in Beijing. But uh, take us, uh, it's, it's starting to have some more, uh, in addition to the, of course, tragic political situation and consequences, but now it's moving into the business realm. What do we know about what companies are thinking and doing about uh, Myanmar at this point? Well, it's certainly going to freeze basically any new investment to Myanmar because you have to presume that there are going to be sanctions coming uh, from the United States, likely from uh, the EU. Uh, don't expect to see them maybe from China or ASEAN, but you're going to see significant sanctions. And how can you invest in a, in a company if you don't know if, if you're going to be violating law uh, you know, and, and the sanctions? So it is really going to harm um, existing investment um, because you're going to not be able to, to grow your business and it's going to freeze any new investment. So serious issues. And if, if this coup, you know, if this state of emergency lasts for a year, you're basically freezing investment for a year uh, if that's the case. And there were so many projects happening there. I mean, the, the large scale infrastructure projects and, of course, the, the natural resources that are there. Uh, that are being extracted. Uh, so this, you know, this is really not a great, not a great moment in time for this to be happening uh, in in Myanmar. And and it's uh, the other thing that was coming. Of course, there is that the infrastructure in in, in Myanmar very rich in uh, you know in minerals, but also a lot of impact investment was looking to go there because you could make a significant difference in a country like Myanmar with a relatively speaking, in a low amount of, of investment, you know, in the millions of dollars, you don't have to invest in the in the hundreds of millions to really improve a lot of lives. So a lot of people were saying, can we invest in Myanmar to have a real impact, um, provide solutions to societal challenges, help meet the sustainable development goals and give a commercial rate of return to our investors. And all of that is going to be on hold. And you had a lot of that on hold anyway because of COVID. So you had mm. all these people who were looking to go in in 2020 said, well, we'll go in in 2021. Now it's going to get pushed back for at least another year. And is that money just going to be sitting around waiting for Myanmar um, to get its, its, its governmental house in order? Unclear. So it's, it's very troubling, especially for that impact space. You and I saw each other earlier this week when you were on a panel uh, at the Foreign Correspondents Association here in Singapore talking about U.S. reengagement. And you had mentioned there might be sanctions, et cetera, that, you know, coming back this way. Uh, the U.S. has already weighed in saying to respect the Democratic vote that was last November in Myanmar. But uh, during that discussion last week, you also did or this past week, you also did mention that Asia and ASEAN is not going to be a U.S. focus uh, for a while due to all the big problems at home in the U.S. So given that landscape, what might we expect to see from a Biden administration when it comes to Myanmar, which frankly is not, uh, you know, a very big agenda item, if we can be frank, uh, with the Biden administration right now? 
Well, you know, it's it's one of those things where sometimes events, you know, kind of spoil your plans. And in in Mike Tyson, the 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 you know former heavyweight <laughs> boxing champion of the world, had a famous saying. He said, you know, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face, <laughs> and then your game plan goes away. Yeah, sure. Well, the U.S. game plan is we've got to get our internal house in order. We've got to get COVID nineteen under control. We've got to invest in the economy. We've got to. Uh, address the civil unrest. And you're going to obviously see part of that coming this week, um, you know, with the the impeachment trial uh, in the Senate. And and let's be patient. Let's take a pause. Let's consult multilateral, consult with our allies, and then we'll turn um, to foreign policy more, you know, maybe mm-hmm. three, six, nine months down the road. And then, of course, you have this, you know, a coup in, in Myanmar and, and you have a, a, a duly elected civilian government thrown uh, under house arrest. And now you have to focus on that. So that's part of, of, of international relations anytime, but certainly in the, in the, you know, 2021. Yeah. At the same time, the, uh, the Biden administration hasn't been afraid to speak out in a big policy kind of discussion at the state department. He talked about uh, this past week, uh, ending support for Saudi Arabia's intervention in Yemen, etc. So, I mean, they are, they are making some comments on the global stage, right? Oh, and they've made a lot of comments on on China um, and talking about, you know, human rights in Xinjiang and in, in Hong Kong, the bellicosity of, of, uh, of, of China's rhetoric uh, towards Taiwan. Mm. Um, so, no, there's been a lot of uh, laying down the markers of what is going to be important to the United States of America under a Biden administration and human rights and climate are much more important. Uh, on the agenda now than it was, you know, just a, a couple than it was a couple weeks ago. Sure. And of course, the whole question of uh, who's got the moral high ground in these discussions is is also another discussion based on what happened in the U.S. over the past uh, four months or so. But uh, we'll leave that one for another day. Uh, when when we look at the uh, the issue of the supply chain uh, comments that Biden made this past week about how he wants to redirect and direct inward in terms of making PPE and anything coronavirus related. Uh, how, how significant is that, that the U.S. is retrenching on what used to be a more global strategy in terms of supply chain? Well, you know, the, the word of the day in supply chain over the last year or so was diversification, right? It was, we need to get Uh, You know, we can't have all of our eggs in one basket. So before it was, we're going to put all our manufacturing in China and we're going to use that both for the Chinese market, but then also as an export market. And then we got to what we call, you know, a China plus one strategy of the, you know, in part because of the trade war between the U.S. uh, and China. And in part, um, uh, you know, so you would, you know, you might manufacture in China for the Chinese market, but then you might manufacture in Vietnam for export. And that Mm. became a China plus one. Now that the word has gone from diversification to resilience, Mm. the supply chain needs to be resilient. And the resilience is where is, where are your minerals, where are your materials, where are your source materials coming from? Um, And if all your source materials for pharmaceuticals are coming from China, but you're manufacturing in India uh, to ship to the United States, the United States is saying we have to take a look at that. Now, what the U.S. government wants and what the business community um, is going to do are, are two different things. And what can the U.S. government force the business community to do when it comes to medicine, when yeah. it comes to you know PPE? But but the word of the year on supply chain has gone from diversification to resilience. 
but the interaction between government and business is going to be a very, very uh, fraught. It could be. And it's not just the United States. You see, you know, Malaysian government says we need to have manufacturing mm. in Malaysia. India says, well, if we're manufacturing in India, why are we shipping out all of these you know, vaccines? Shouldn't we keep them in India? So this is not a U.S. issue. It is not a Biden issue. It's a it's a global issue. And how you know much do you have? manufacturing in your own country how much do you do you um how much can you you know count on a diversified and resilient supply chain that is going to be cheaper and it's going to be more efficient but is it, you know, do you do you trade off expense for that how will countries look at onshoring though when as you just mentioned the the cost uh, the cost factor of doing of, of having production in China is so far beyond what it can be in many of the western nations US included how do they? Uh, how is this going to realign? And do you expect that there would be a, a large realignment of of companies that want to onshore again um, because of of these uh, supply chain concerns that you've just been talking about? Well, the question is how do you how are you going to calculate cost? Right? Are you because you're going to say, well, what is the cost if we get another pandemic and mm-hmm. we can no longer source? from China because China has shut down because it's in a, in a lockdown for some extended period of time or what if I, so you're going to have to think about cost differently. And I think that is what COVID is going to have a long-term change. You're going to rethink how you do, you know, where you work from, how much uh, real estate you need, but it's also going to be, how do you, you know, how do you have an insurance policy in terms of a resilient supply chain it's going to be more expensive, but it would be e- would it be even more expensive if you don't have a resilient supply chain and we get hit with another pandemic? Yeah, yeah. The the cost, uh, the opportunity cost there could be uh, quite significant, uh, as we know. All right, let's uh, let's shift from that and and but let's keep an eye on that because I would really like to see if any stats start coming out from USTR or other places uh, in in Europe as well, really showing any significant movement in in onshoring back to either Europe or North America and, and what that looks like because of this concern about the, 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 the resilience of the supply chain. Uh, so let's, let's, look, let's think about that one in, in weeks to come. Uh, next, um, we can't ignore we can't ignore the impeachment coming up and the impact that that's going to have on the distracting the U.S. Congress from other business and not to mention the possible legal ramifications of Republicans versus Democrats. Uh, it starts, uh, give, give us the lowdown what we're expecting this week. Well, it's um, the, the, the trial uh, in the Senate will start this week. Um, we don't know yet how long it is going to go. We don't know yet if there are going to be witnesses. Um, we, 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 we do know that Donald Trump will not testify himself because he, he refused right. that invitation to do so. Um, but the, the question will be um, what the Democrats want to do at a minimum is show how Donald Trump and the Donald Trump, you know, organization, not the company, but 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 his people affiliated with him paid for um, the January 6th uh, rally that led um, to the insurrection on Capitol Hill, how they paid for it, how they set it up, how their rhetoric um, was adopted by the rioters, um, Mm -hmm. some of whom ended up being murderers um, and to tie the president and that part of the Republican Party directly to the insurrection and make those Republican senators take a vote 
um, on whether or not he's guilty of insurrection. The Republican senators don't want to do that. Forty-five of them, you know, said we shouldn't even be having this trial um, because it's unconstitutional because the trial is taking place after President Trump left office. Um, that lost. Um, are they going to try and make that same dodge when they've already lost and now you have to vote on guilt or innocence? So this is going to be very. Uh, uh, the Democrats want to make this a, a put the Republican Party on record. Where do you stand and who do you stand with? Um, but the other issue that I think the foreign policy one is if the Republican Party does stand with Donald Trump, if maybe only four or five Republican senators out of the 50 vote to convict, does this show that Donald Trump remains the driving force behind the Republican Party, mm. that Donald Trump could be president again in 2024? And so are you going to be more hesitant to do a deal with the United States now, knowing it could just get undone <laughs> less than four years from now? Say it ain't so. <laughs> I don't think my heart can take this. I have a pretty strong heart. I'm not sure it can take this. Uh, uh, okay. Um so this this could actually go quite quickly, right? If assembling there's there's not going to be many witnesses, and uh, I mean, could could we see something finished this week? Well, I don't know if it would be this week, but the the the, the three impeachment trials that have been held uh, in United States history have gone from three weeks to three months. That has been the the time frame for those three. Um, I, I I don't think this one is going to go three weeks. Um, I think it'll it'll have it has to go at least um, a week. And the Democrats want it to go that long because they want to lay out the case mm. of Donald Trump being guilty of insurrection or inciting uh, insurrection. Um, so they want to make that case very strongly um, and they want to make that case uh, to the American people. Now, whether it's going to go beyond that, how much time is going to be allocated to impeachment? And how much time is going to be allocated to the rest of the work that Congress has to do, which is pass um, the COVID relief bill um, that is now going through the Senate in terms of the budget reconciliation process. So the, the, the Senate has to figure out how to do both at the same time. So that may, may extend it a bit as well. Hmm. Joe Biden this week surpassed the record, record-setting pace of Franklin Roosevelt in signing executive orders. Uh, he's over 28 already. FDR only signed 30 in his first month, and Biden has done uh, nearly, uh, you know, more than that. Um, the risk of, and we talked about this last week on the show, the risk of alienating the Republicans by going forward and doing so many of these. Uh, are we seeing any signs that that is happening? Do we have any idea what Biden's relationship is with his old Senate colleagues at this point? Mm -hmm. Well, it, it seems to be, you know, positive in that there is dialogue going. And, and I think Joe Biden is making this point very clear to them. He's saying, look, we have to get this done. We are in the worst health and economic crisis the United States has seen in a century. I am not going to spend months and months negotiating. Here is what we are going to do. You can either join us and, and you know, and, and try and make it better. And we'll certainly listen to that. But we're not going to wait for you. Um, and I think the American people after what they're going to they're going to they're going to vote on whether or not the Biden administration um, led the U.S. government in terms of 
beating the pandemic and, and rescuing and restoring the economy. And if it does both of those things, nobody's going to care if the COVID Relief Act passed 5150 or 53, you know, 47 or, or 6040. No one is going to care. Now, if they go alone and they fail, it doesn't, that's, you know, that's, that's yeah. going to, you know, cost the Democrats in the midterm elections. Yeah. Um, uh, and that we will clearly see, do the results matter more than the bipartisanship, I guess, is is a, the nutshell way of saying that. I would tend to think where we're at right now with the economy and, and with so many people sick, that probably results are going to matter more. But, uh, you know, we're only a year away from the next the start of the next election cycle uh, in, in full swing for 2024. So I would imagine they'll Republicans would try to use that against uh, the Democrats uh, in some way. Well, the, you know, Biden says, you know, I, I ran, uh, you know, using the word unity. He said, I'm, I'm running to unite the country. I'm not running to I did not run to unite Republicans and Democrats. Mm. So I'm going to do what's best for the country. And if the Republicans want to come along, great. And if they don't want to come along in the House and the Senate, I don't care because I'm going to do what's right for the country from my perspective as, as Joe Biden and from a Democratic House and Senate perspective. Mm. All right, let's finish off on something fun. The annual rite of the f- of passage in the U.S., the Super Bowl football game, will occur on Sunday evening in the U.S. That's tomorrow morning, our time, around 7.30, 7.30 to 11.30 or so. <laughs> and, um, uh, of course, the U.S. always wants to say it's the biggest sporting event and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, of course, it's not. <laughs> the World Cup and some of the other <laughs> right. ones uh, actually uh, usually eclipse it in terms of numbers. Uh, how important is this this year? And they have tried to kind of downplay because they don't want it to become a super spreader event across the country. Well, that's the biggest, you know, that's, that's kind of the non-sports dynamic to it. This is the, you know, in, in a way uh, after Thanksgiving national holiday, right? Where everybody gets together and watches together. Now you don't travel for the Super Bowl, unless of course you're going to the game, but mm. you you go and watch with your friends. And so I would always watch, could be 20 people would get together in somebody's house and you'd have a potluck and, mm. and you'd all get together. And so the question now is, can people keep from doing that and, and not have those neighborhood parties and instead watch at home alone or, or you know, or with their family? Um, everybody's hoping from a public health perspective that that happens. Um, and so the question is, Will people do that and still watch the big game? And this is arguably one of the most interesting Super Bowls of all time because you have arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady, in his unprecedented 10th Super Bowl Mm. going up against the greatest young quarterback in the NFL, Pat Mahomes, who won the Super Bowl last year. So the storylines are fantastic. Uh, you know, a 43-year-old versus a 25-year-old. You will know, will David Tom Brady's walking cane, uh, walking cane get in the way on the field? <laughs> <laughs> How he's doing this at the age of 43 is remarkable. He doesn't, he doesn't need a walking cane. He, you know, I think all of his avocado smoothies have prevented him from eating one. 
Well, it will be fun to see uh, and, and, and see what happens with that. But, but on an important note, you know, many of the uh, states have, have been highly pressured to reopen uh, restaurants and bars. Of course, sports bars are a huge, uh, make a lot of money off this particular day. I believe it was in California they announced that they were going to open to limited seating, 30% or something, uh, for certain sports bars uh, so that they can start generating some cash again. Uh, so there is the economic angle uh, in everything these days that we have to see. Hey, Steve, well, you know, here yeah. we used to we yeah. used to watch it either the American Club or Brew Works or you know everybody would get together and and and, and watch it at the at the at the sports bars Chili's uh, or here, but of course you can't yeah. Chili's. I mean, yeah. it all you know, lots and lots of them, and of course you can't do that now. Yeah. Um, so I'll be watching. I'll be watching it at, at home here, yep. uh, of course, on my NFL Game Pass. You know, <laughs> that, you got to watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> you have to. Indeed. Steve Ogan, thanks so much for joining us today. As always, a pleasure. I appreciate your time. Thanks, GBZ. International News Review. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.